Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the calm and collected Robert Domena. Thank you, Elliot. Uh, hello, everybody. Before we get into the show today, I wanted to uh, make this statement again that we are accepting uh, podcast ideas. If you're make, if you're planning a trip somewhere around the world, are curious to learn more about that, the the culture, um, how to navigate that country. Shoot us an email or send us a DM, and we'll reach out to some travel uh, agencies or food tour operators and maybe get them on the podcast so we and you can learn more about the country. Um, also, we are brought to you by, <laughs> well, our partnership is Minivan of Memories, a blogging platform for travelers who want to share their stories but don't have their own platform. Really cool website. We share guests all the time with Aldison, uh, who's, cre who's the creator. Little Passports is a monthly subscription for curious kids who love the world. Each month, a new package is sent containing new activities, souvenirs, or projects from different locations around the globe. Um, you can click the link through our website and, and book a subscription that way. Really cool stuff there. It's worth even just checking out. And then lastly, uh, Travel by Locals. It's like Airbnb for travel guides. Uh, they provide a website so you can reach out to real locals who spend their free time hosting local tours. It's something that I think I want to do um, with Philadelphia, maybe show people where to get cheesesteaks. If I keep saying it enough, someone else is going to take that idea, which is fine because I'll probably join that tour. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so also, also uh, if you really want to help us out and also get something for yourself, we do have... Uh, two websites that you can buy swag from us one is t public and the other is uh red bubble and you can get t-shirts sweatshirts laptop covers mugs all this kind of cool stuff throw pillows if you want it wall art i don't know some people are weird like that but if you want to do if that it's get, awesome if someone gets the throw pillows please take a picture and send it to us that would be awesome <laughs> that would so yeah our guest today is an avid traveler that has an envious love of life. Uh, he's currently working on a biannual magazine entitled Revolucan, which will be a, quote, creative investigation of the human experience. And on today's episode, we discuss with him mindfulness and how it relates to traveling and then getting into voluntourism with some of the upsides of the industry and the dark side of the industry. So without further ado, please give a warm welcome to Travis Zane. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Travis, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. We're very excited to have you on the show today. You have kind of done a lot in your relatively young age and i think based on bob and i's research by the way i should start out saying that we kind of found you through minivan of memories um but your your research your profile it's all about kind of being mindful of your human existence and appreciating life as it is and you've done that through kind of your love of music your love of travel and being very mindful of yourself and everything around you so that's kind of what the gist of today's discussion is going to be about. And awesome. if, if you'd like to take it from there, be my guest. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, thanks for having me. Um, it is a pleasure to be here and I'm super stoked about um, just being able to have been passed on through many random memories. Um, yeah. I think mindfulness and spirituality has become 
kind of like a big part of my life recently and was kind of an element um, over the past four to five years as I started like traveling and I was in a university. Um, there were so many experiences I had that were phenomenal and I'm very grateful for. Um, but I found myself like most most people, I think, <laughs> in our modern day and age, um, always just kind of thinking about like what's next and getting in my head a lot and just thinking kind of very existentially, which um, is a source of like a lot of my writing and photography. I like to think about the human experience, um, but I really wanted to learn more about like mindfulness and um, the different communities around like Asia and in Europe. Um, and so, yeah, I started meditating pretty much like every day almost um, and kind of trying to look into the different texts on like what mindfulness means and um, positive psychology um, because I also actually studied psychology at university. So that was a big part of my life when I was a student. Um, and I did a majority of my early travels when I was a student. Um, I studied abroad in Sweden for a year. And I think that having that privilege to live in Europe and have access to a lot of different European countries and the ease of flying everywhere um, and taking the train everywhere, I think was a really good exposure to seeing the world. <laughs> so we talk about mindfulness. I've heard a lot about mindfulness. My sister practices it almost regularly and she, she uses it to kind of help calm herself down and be aware of her surroundings, be aware of her emotions. It's kind of been thrown around a lot recently, maybe in the last five to 10 years as like a buzzword, like, oh, we just have to be very mindful. People associate it with like yoga and mm -hmm. I would say Buddhism, Taoism. Can you give us, me and Bob and our listeners a brief rundown of what mindfulness is and maybe what it means to you? Absolutely. Um, I guess I want to say I'm not, first and foremost, I'm not an expert. I'm like a student of all of this very much. Um, I think mindfulness right now, in addition to a lot of other wellness terms, it is it is like a big buzzword. Um, but at the core of it, I think the concept is awareness of reality, which sounds very vague. Um, but I think it's just being able to take a step back and notice how your mind operates um, on a day-to-day -day basis and being able to not only be like aware of yourself, but aware of your surroundings, aware of what's going on um, around you in the world, in your day-to-day -day social interactions, your day-to-day -day, um, introspection and insights into your own life. Um, but I guess, I guess I'm not really giving you a yeah, haircut well, answer because. <laughs> so I, I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't consider myself a very spiritual person, but I do think that I have sort of, uh, I think I can be spiritual, but in my own opinion, it's, it's, it's different depending on everybody has their own definition and sort of my, mm -hmm. when I have a, a spiritual sensation, it's really me understanding who I am, like deep down, like what I want and what I'm looking for at my own life and my own place in society and what I would expect to uncover as I get older. That's sort of me being spiritual and mindful. Um, it's yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I, th yeah, that makes I sense. think, um, and there, there are a lot of topics that you can be mindful about if, if that helps explain, like in a lot of spiritual texts and in a lot of uh, research studies, they take different angles, like mindfulness, is supposed to cover like compassion. It's supposed to cover, you know, like being aware that um, we're not 
all good and live forever being aware that just being aware of all these different things like human kindness maybe the person um in front of you in line at the grocery store who's behaving obnoxiously like had a bad day being like mindful of all the different circumstances that take place in everyone's life i guess and then and then there's like the component of interconnectedness where you're just kind of being mindful that you know like we are where you are because of so many other people um so for me it's like a lot of stuff but i think it's just being able to like take a step back and and like yeah just being able to take well i think think i think that's a good way to to segue into what we were going to discuss today um being mindful of um certain tourism industries right Mm -hmm. like did you have something to say yeah well i kind of wanted to segue into that because we live in an age where like past generations have worked and worked and worked and worked and it's kind of been a survival then it was just working to make a better life for the next generation working to make a better life for the next generation and now we're kind of that generation that has a really good i wouldn't say easy life it's got a lot of its own complications and its own issues but we have a lot of free time we have a lot of time to think about what it means to be human what it means to have life and introspection existentialism all of that is kind of part of mindfulness and we have the time to think about it and that kind of takes us into what bob was about to say is looking at how to make the best out of your life what you want to get out of it and that's why a lot of us travel is because we don't necessarily want to spend our lives working the mindfulness that we perceive is or that we achieve is from going and experiencing new things new cultures new food new geographies And one of those things that people like to do, or one of the things that people like to do is volunteer while they travel. So they feel like they get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of experience with volunteering abroad. And the buzzword right now is also voluntourism. And we'd really like to discuss voluntourism with you. What are some of the drawbacks of voluntourism, how it's perceived from the Western culture and how it's perceived where voluntourism is actually being applied. Right. Um, so I guess first I would say that there should be a distinction between attempting to give back and just being like, um, I'm going to use the word mindful again, being a mindful and um, socially conscious traveler and then the volunteerism industry. And I think there are a lot of programs that benefit um, the areas in which they're placed. And there are a lot of uh, great NGOs and organizations that are built to design uh, certain trips or certain efforts to improve uh, like a lot of places around the world. But then there are also programs that aren't like clearly like this is a big discussion on how a lot of programs allow Westerners to come in and like feel good and have contact with people they might not normally have contact with if they're just traveling in their own luxurious um, ways. And then they leave and then and then it's kind of just like like what was the purpose of that and nothing is very sustainable um i do think that there are programs out there where they're teaching communities actual skills and i think that's the most important thing to look at when you're doing your research if you're going to do a volunteer program abroad um honestly i think the number one thing is you just need to do your research like if you want to make an effort you're going to have to or if you if you want to make a positive impact, you're going to have to like dig into a lot of things and make sure what you're doing is actually what's being marketed to you. Um, <laughs> but then I also, what I would actually recommend more people do 
is find our own avenues of giving back and being a socially conscious traveler instead of um, signing up for like a $10,000 trip to some place um, that includes like everything and has your volunteering hours all like set out, et cetera. Um, what you can do is find like find local nonprofits and find local opportunities to just volunteer like you would wherever you already live. So like if you're living in New York, there are, you know, so many organizations like New York Cares and all these other NGOs that give you access to volunteer efforts that are research backed and um, they've been have been going on for mo multiple decades. And I think if you like say you're traveling to Southeast Asia or you're traveling in Europe, um, if you just do the research to try to find like a center you can volunteer at maybe um, a few days a week while you're there or or really anything else, like just being able to put yourself in a place and like learning more about the culture and learning how things work. And then especially <clears throat> um, seeing if there's already a structure set up for volunteers and if there's not a structure set up for international volunteers, then I think working on that for wherever you are is probably the most impactful thing you can do. Okay. So it seems like there are opportunities within the U.S. even, and that might be the best way to dip your toes into volunteerism, starting with like Habitat for Humanity in areas that need help inside, like where California just had the massive wildfire, where mm -hmm. in the southern parts of the United States where it gets hammered by hurricanes, rebuilding after that, and then progressing from there. Well, that's what I think. That's This is how it ties into the being an issue because people don't want to do that. People want to go to Asia, go to Africa, take their pictures with people who they're uh, seemingly pretending to help and then uh, developing this facade, this this fake um, voluntourism where they're really not doing anything. I don't know. I'm right. not a huge... Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea of going to these countries and actually making a difference. But I think a majority of what I see online, they're not doing that at all. They want the pictures. Um, they want to go there and say that they helped people for two weeks or for a week, and they think they made a difference. And maybe they did. Maybe they made a small difference. But um, I don't like the idea of uh, this voluntourism or even calling it that. Like, if you want to volunteer, uh, fine, but you shouldn't. There should be no. There should be no tourism in the word at all. You're not a tourist. Yeah. You're a volunteer. Yeah, you're yeah, not. Yeah. You're I, going to the country to help, and you're right. not. You're not going to visit and actually just see these people that are in need and putting up one wall of a uh, house and then leaving. You actually are staying there, trying to make a difference, and it's just all volunteer work. It's not right. like you're sightseeing. And they they sort of blended together over the years. You have people who are actually doing it for the right reasons. And I mean, maybe those people who were doing it for the right reasons ended up saying, hey, you know, we could use people for a week or so and started to build it that way. But uh, you see people doing it for their own gain, their own, I don't know what it is, but their own reasons rather than helping people. I don't know. So yeah, going back. Um, I, I do want to say, though, like, if, like, I would rather encourage people to attempt somewhat to, like, give back if they're traveling. Like, I think it is a good it's better to try to volunteer than to like go and spend a lot of like, I don't know, just have a luxurious travel and just be luxuriously traveling all the time. Um, so I do, I do want to like, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And so yeah. the, the people that Bob are talking about are the people that 
fake being a volunteer. They're really a tourist. and Like the people that are going to see Chernobyl right now, they're just going because it's popular. The HBO series just came out and people are just flocking, trying to take pictures in front of it. Instagram influencers. And even when like the Rohingya were being in putting concentration camps, people were trying to go and take pictures and say, oh, we're helping these people. We're going to get them out. But in reality, some of them were just going to just say that they were. Right. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I know people who have done things like that. Yeah. I, I just uh, Go ahead, Travis. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just a, it's a tricky line because it is, be- it is <laughs> like, I just like, sometimes I see a lot of photographs on Instagram and, they're all um, just like these amazing photographs of India or um, I mean, really anywhere in the world. There was a period of time where I was seeing a bunch of photographs um, of Myanmar and Bagan, um, where where a lot of like Rohingya refugees um, are suffering. And I had no idea or like concepts of what was going on in the country, aside from that there were pretty temples, because that was... The perspective I got from Instagram. So I do think if people are sharing different types of stories of the places they're going, it is a positive thing. Um, but depending on their intentions, they might they might not have their intentions. They might not be making um, an impact. But I do think that it's better to I guess like try like it's it's still cringeworthy a bit to see people <laughs> try to put themselves in places and like promote that they're making change if they aren't. Um, but I would rather see that than like a photograph of a bunch, like an aerial shot of a bunch of temples and not really addressing yeah. what's going on right. in the country or any of the people there. I think that's an interesting point because the line is incredibly blurry and people that do volunteer, some of them have the best intentions. They think they're going to this place that they're going to help out for two weeks, rebuild a community after a disaster. And mm-hmm. maybe that that program that they're with is poorly run and they end up building in the wrong community and that's it. But they think they did something good. And then there's the volunteerism. Like I think Peace Corps is a form of, if you want to put into that definition of volunteerism, because it's usually Westerners going to a country that is developing or undeveloped and teaching practices of agriculture, sustainability of how to build things. And they're usually there for multiple years. And that, I think, is a form of sustainability because those people then pass on, sorry, the Westerners pass on their knowledge to the next people that are coming into that community. And then they can build on that. It's not just trying to teach English in two weeks to five-year-olds. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I, just just to add on to that very quickly. Yeah, it's teaching of skills to me that is more important than um, going there and building a house. Like, What's the saying? Uh, uh, bring a horse to teach a horse to drink, and what, what is what is that yeah. saying with the horse There's and a, water I, <laughs> or something? Um, but yeah, you, you know, you can teach people to build a house, or you can or you can build a house for them. Obviously, if you teach them to build houses, they're going to be able to do that uh, into the future and teach younger generations. It just makes more sense. You should be going to these countries mm-hmm. and teaching a trade. Teach people how to uh, certain agricultural practices. Right, like skills. Teach them, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, medical procedures, things like that that can right. be passed down and taught to, you know, other people within that community. Yeah, one of my roommates actually right now, um, he did Peace Corps and his friend was visiting. And he also did Peace Corps and 
um, they're talking about how they were teaching people how to um, preserve their fruits better because malnutrition was a big um, issue and they were like figuring out how to preserve mangoes for throughout the seasons um, and yeah I think that that is something I admire a lot like whenever I meet someone who I like even Peace Corps has like a, a lot of controversy around it but I think <clears throat> whenever I meet someone who's done it I just all I really have for them is admiration because even if you are initially like going somewhere to volunteer and I mean you, you can't really blame someone for having good intentions even if they're if, if like they don't fall if they're wrong <laughs> and like the effect is not that if the impact is not that big it's, you can't really blame them and I do think um eventually it's like you can learn more like if you go to a place and try to volunteer for a week sure like it probably won't have an impact hopefully the person is not having like an ego like bringing an ego and doing it because of that um but I think the one like the one benefit that could potentially be taken from an experience like that is that they are then probably more likely to go longer the next time um, or pursue more information about how these programs actually impact the areas that they're in. Because um, I mean, it's not like a lot of these things are not the most comfortable situations. And I think a lot of travelers um, would not like fair, like volunteering in Myanmar volunteering in Africa like they're not luxurious things right so I think even taking that step to be able to put yourself in that space hopefully if it doesn't have a positive impact then at least hopefully they'll be comfortable to commit longer next time and yeah. figure out how to make a positive impact and it may not have a positive impact on the community but it will definitely have a positive impact on that individual right which is yeah which is like which is a positive thing but I, I think so I, do understand how it can get so much um derailment yeah but but so i mean just to be you know play the bad guy here but that's not what this this isn't for it being to be like we're not looking to have a positive impact on the individual we are we are but the the, per, the reason he's going there that's is a side a positive effect impact on the community and if he's yeah. not having a positive in, impact on the community and he's walking he or she is walking away the only one leaving with a positive feeling then to me that's not what this volunteerism is supposed to be about um, yeah. it's a failure and that's sort of i don't that's sort of my issue with the industry right right like the programs need to change and the, the industry needs to change yeah. i think is right when i think where i think the gray area of volunteerism is we're looking at it constantly from maybe our own perspective like yeah, we're going to go help these people. We're going to teach them. They're going to do all of these things. They're going to learn for their next generations. But one thing that we haven't really touched on in many of our guests is whether or not those countries actually want our help. Like, yeah, the malnutrition, actually, they didn't even know that they needed that. But then was it actually useful to them? It may have been. That is an instance where I think volunteerism did something good. But in other situations, where where do we draw the line between, all right, we're going to go help them because they need it. They need to know how we do things versus, all right, you know what? We don't really need your help. We're fine as we are. You know what? We're set in our own ways. Like just picture the Amish in South Central Pennsylvania. They, they at one point decided that technology went too far and it was actually going to hinder their culture. So they didn't progress. They don't use anything that's plugged in. And they have not done anything since then. And they're a very secluded portion of the American population. But they don't want our help. 
they don't want to use our technology. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of circumstances. I mean, where where we are kind of intruding. Um, Almost everywhere. <laughs> uh, but that's my question. That's my question is like the Peace Corps, like Habitat for Humanity. It's just my lack of understanding if people from those communities that need the help are actually reaching out to Habitat for Humanity and Peace Corps for volunteers. Or is Habitat for Humanity and Peace Corps actually saying, all right, you guys need help and reaching out to them and saying, oh, we'll come down and we'll help you out. Well, my understanding is that, yeah, there's a mutual agreement between the, the organization and the people that they're helping. And that's, you know, the Peace Corps is not something that I'm even talking about when I'm just having this discussion or when I'm, like, talking bad about this volunteerism industry. It's the smaller organizations that try to market it to be something that it isn't because it sounds more appealing. It's, you know, you have a tour company and it says, go to Africa for three weeks and, um, you know, see Africa. and Or you can put, save children in africa for three weeks yeah and you'll well, get more people to jump on that they're playing on the on our western guilt what is your perception of western guilt travis um like my thoughts on the concept yeah when, and how it plays into voluntourism i mean it's like every issue is so layered so if you're not doing the research to understand the areas you're going to help when you're doing volunteerism programs or you're not like learning about the history of the place you're traveling to, um, then it's almost like you're if you're acting off of Western guilt, it can also be a form of ignorance, I might say. Um, if you are simply going to a place to to attempt to help without actually knowing who you're helping. Um, Ooh, so I have some numbers on voluntourism, right? So voluntourism activities by popularity, thirty seven percent childcare. 17% disabled care, 7% medical, 14% teaching, 11% summer programs, 5% wildlife, 5% two-week specials, and then 4% other. So it, it's broken out. So the average price of a, of a two-week trip to South Africa is, on average, 1700 U.S. dollars. Now, there are the programs that are being offered for volunteering to go to Africa. Um, I don't, I'm not going to name these companies that are offering these packages. But they start as cheap as four hundred and ninety-five dollars for two weeks, um, and they and they go up to two thousand dollars. So if you want to go to Africa, you can mask it as a volunteering of you know volunteerism that you're going to go help these children and cut a significant chunk of your costs to go to that country. Is that, that ties into why much. people do it? Some people. I was not even I aware think of that. So. I, I thought a lot of the programs are more expensive. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the, those were the cheap end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the companies that you think are good at if we are throwing them into the category of volunteering, volunteerism companies? Um, I honestly can't comment. I don't know relatively any volunteerism companies. Um, I That's have fair. like never really looked into volunteerism. Um, like I've said, all of the volunteer-related activities I've done while traveling have pretty much been with just like local organizations okay um but yeah <laughs> how do you how do you do That's... your research for local organizations um so when i went to asia actually a lot of my research was done on the workaway platform which we talked about um just when we were meeting at first um and so there are a lot of i don't know if i should explain what workaway is or... yes please do 
Okay, so what I mean, Workway is essentially a platform where people can find hosts and uh, families and organizations where they can pretty much just you reach out to them, kind of like Facebook or any other platform. You create a profile for yourself, you reach out to them and let them know how long you're traveling, what your dates are, and like what you can provide. So a lot of it is either like cleaning, uh, maybe at a hostel, or some of, and some of it is more like professional stuff, like doing video work for a new company in Asia, etc. Um, and they have sites, not sites, but they have hosts all over the world and obviously travelers all over the world. Um, and a lot of projects actually that I've seen on there when I was first on it, um, a couple of years ago, I was traveling through Asia uh, when I was a student. So I didn't really have like a budget to spend. So I wanted to be able to work in exchange for stay um, and food. And so I went to work away and a lot of the projects that are on there are um, either like ecotourism projects, like building a like a site or like there's a family in the area and they want to like start a business and they're building something and you can go help them. Um, and then a lot of I think now a lot of more opportunities also are simply volunteering. So like it's not necessarily a exchange. It's more of like you go to stay there and and like work there for a period of time. Um, I think the concept of Workaway primarily is you make an arrangement so that you can easily stay somewhere essentially for free in exchange for like work. Um, but now there are opportunities where you can like go to example, like a shelter and volunteer there um, for three weeks or, or more. And so a lot of the things I've done were essentially through Workaway because I was already on the platform. Um, so for example, when I was in Myanmar, um, I actually 100% I went off of like the Instagram picture of it like I was not very aware of the culture I was not very aware of um, anything that was going on in the country and I tried to do research beforehand but there's only so much that reading can really actually soak in to your brain and so when I got there it felt very um, off like there's just a big contrast between obviously me and the other travelers at the hostel going around looking at these temples and eating this food and like being amongst locals who we just, I don't know, it's just like you don't speak the language, you don't really know what's going on in their lives. And it's, you just, I think it's just, you feel a huge sense of privilege that, that you carry because you're there essentially taking photos, taking videos, having this incredible eye-opening experience for yourself. Um, and then next to you, there's someone who lives there and that's their reality. And I think that's something I have been thinking about a lot whenever I travel now is when you're traveling somewhere it is this really grand experience for yourself, but I think it's important to remember that it's someone's day-to-day -day life. Um, and so when I was there, I actually got back on the Workaway platform and like wanted to find a way to volunteer and just like be a part of a community um, in Myanmar for the time that I was there. And so I found a center and it was essentially, uh, it was actually a meditation center and a refugee shelter that pretty much just um, took care of anyone in need. So it was a like a large cohort of monks and they had like morning meditations. Um, and then they had all these uh, houses of just people who were sick and people who were dealing with addiction problems. And um, it was truly nothing like I'd ever anticipated. Um, and I mean, you're like sleeping on the ground, you're sleeping in filth, there's like no running water. And there's like a house dedicated for people who are like in their last days. And I was just not even walking in 
like with good intentions, I was not mentally prepared and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, and I think that whole experience was even like what we were just talking about. Like I, it benefited me, but I don't know how much it actually benefited the center me being there for um, like a week and a half and working with the other volunteers. But what it did show me and why I did want to like shed, a, shed the one positive aspect of those experiences is um, the other volunteers there were like prime examples, I think, of what volunteering abroad should be. They were, I mean, they were there for like very long periods of time. They were working on creating an actual structure and a program for people who chose to volunteer their via work away because there was really no structure. You kind of like showed up and then just helped in any way that you could. Um, and these were people from all walks of life, um, especially Europe. And I feel like they were all people who, a lot of generations, uh, older generations might look at today and kind of think like, oh, like Peace Corps, blah, 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 and kind of get people who kind of get a bad rep and just look like hippies yeah. <laughs> um, were some of the most inspiring people to me because they they were just there and they, I don't know, they were just doing it and were going forward and really helping and creating a structure for to make the center run more smoothly and to be able to process like all the food and donations that the surrounding cities would give them. Um, and that was a big contrast for me because I, after the second day, I was kind of, to be totally honest, I was not, I was just not prepared for any of the conditions that we were in. And in my head, I was thinking, I don't know if like I'll last the full two weeks. Um, so it was only, just, it was only two weeks for me. I was only two weeks cause I only had uh, two weeks left in Myanmar. Um, and I, I planned to like do this whole hiking expedition. And, but then I was kind of like, I'm not like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like I need to find something else and just like learn more about this culture and the people in it. And like a majority of the people in it who are, I don't want to say majority, but a lot of people who just don't have as much privilege as I've lived with like my entire life pretty much. Um, but seeing those other volunteers, they, I don't know, they really made me think about how I can exist in the spaces I travel in more consciously and, and just like have more mental strength, I think, to be able to be in those kinds of conditions. When were you in Myanmar? Uh, summer of 2016. Okay. Was that roughly around I the think. same time as the Rohingya issue? Yeah. I mean, that has been going on for a while. Um, but I think press wise, in terms of like how aware people are, I think that was when it was started. Okay. Um, people became more aware of everything. So one of the guests we had on previously, who was also named Travis, um, one of my first experiences traveling abroad was to just a one week service learning trip to Costa Rica, where we kind of did a work away program. We ended up staying on this farm for five days. And I think it was 30, maybe 35 bucks a day. And we actually had the guy who owns the farm on as well. And we worked for 30, 35 bucks a day. They fed us three meals and lodged us. And we just kind of worked on the farm. We cut down things, whatever he needed to be done. But one of the conversations we had while having some Costa Rican rum around a fire pit at night was learning about those people that you mentioned, seeing them that and recognizing that you have privilege and they don't. And what we do with that knowledge is what makes us who we are. Right. If we if we can do something with that knowledge and take it and apply it somewhere else in our life, we might not be able to do something then and there that maybe in the future we could. 
Exactly. And, and I think even just the little waves of impact it can have in the way that you carry yourself every day, like maybe you're not able to spend a year somewhere volunteering, but hopefully if, if you see and understand the privilege that you have and how people that you might not have interacted with before are exactly like you. And if you're just kind of able to see the world in that sense and carry yourself as a more like kind and loving and joyful person, I think that is, um, I mean, really one of the best things. Yeah. I think from I mean, just having this conversation is sort of, I mean, we're attempting to raise awareness. We can't necessarily, I can't be in Africa uh, helping anybody right now, but um, to be able to speak on it and hopefully raise a little bit of awareness goes hopefully influence someone who yeah, ha- does yeah. not have mm-hmm. a kid does not have a wife and maybe is interested in joining the peace corps joining right. or working as part of work away right and like i don't know just i think making digging into doing a lot of research i, I studied re- like i did a lot of research when i was in college so i feel like it's just natural whenever i go on a trip i just do a bunch of research and find all these different things to do and like places to be and I think just taking time to like be a conscious and invested and interesting traveler will give you a better experience and also um, just let you have like a better impact wherever you are because if all we're doing is like looking at the 10 best places to be like on the Condé Nast traveling site um, and that's where we're spending our money and that's where we're taking our pictures and that's where we're existing all the time. Um, then I think at some point travel can just become a little indulgent and, and I don't think it should be totally <laughs> indulgent. I think it should be like an experience that you can learn from. And Yeah. And I think in a way, through. no matter, no matter if you're an Instagram influencer who's traveling the world and just posting pictures to try to you know, make a few bucks off of a piece of clothing. I think in some way they are maybe subconsciously learning about the world, learning that cultures are different and hopefully applying it to themselves. I think all travelers naturally have that in common, that that yeah, want, that wanting of understanding the world, understanding and learning about different things. Right. Yeah. curious people <laughs> and yeah. hopefully compassionate as well and i think that does that does hold true for the most part so i think overall the end the ending of or to wrap up the discussion on volu- voluntourism is that it is a good thing at its nature at its core being that work away programs uh even like peace corps habitat for humanity they all have strong intentions to do good in the world and the people that join those programs aren't just not i mean we can't speak for all of them but most of them are doing it to try to make a difference they want to travel but they also want to help and i think those are very good adequate programs that allow you to do both yeah i think just because uh there are all these issues in the industry if you're not to tell you from wanting to help people abroad you just need to really make sure you do your research with the organization Make sure you understand what you're going to be doing and and make sure that you're volunteering for the cause and not the destination. Right. So with that, all of that in mind, do you have any upcoming trips? Um, I actually, I was thinking about the fact that I don't have any like international trips um, or like largely international. I'm 
gonna whole be foods. going to Mo- <laughs> yeah <Whole foods. laughs> yeah i'll check out the whole foods that you guys mentioned in Gowanus, brooklyn <laughs> um but i'll i'll be going to montreal for the fourth of july with some friends um but it's just like a short road trip from new york so aside from that i'm actually focusing mainly on being back in california and with my family more um is kind of like a big priority for me right now but (laughs) yeah wait so you've lived last uh, over two years in brooklyn right yes okay so are you originally from california then yeah, so I grew up in uh, Davis, California, and then I went to school in Santa Barbara. Um, so pretty much lived my whole life in California, aside from when I was studying abroad. And then I moved to New York after I graduated college. Okay. Was that a different different culture shock for you? <laughs> West Coast versus East Coast? Uh, yeah, I mean, New York City is uh, <laughs> it's a phenomenon of its own. <laughs> <laughs> It, it sure definitely, is. definitely was a shock in multiple ways, but um, it was always my dream as like a little kid to come here and uh, <clears throat> I just, um, sorry, I just have to. I saw an incredible stat on Manhattan and uh, I need to look it up. Um, <laughs> we can yeah. hear you typing. Yeah. <laughs> so in on the island of New York, there are as many as 800 different languages spoken. That is amazing. There's that no is amazing. <laughs> Wait, on the, yeah. just on the island? On the island of New York. I mean, yeah, Manhattan. Well, I'm sorry. No, the boroughs, the five boroughs. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Now, you got to throw Brooklyn in there and Queens and everything. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget about the Bronx. Right, the Bro- yeah. So, so there's... 800 spoken languages, far more than the 176 spoken by students in the city's public schools, were the 138 that residents of Queens, New York, New York's most diverse borough, listed on their 2000 census forms. So there's 138 <laughs> different languages just in Queens. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's truly a melting pot. It, <laughs> it really is. It, there's nowhere else like it in the world. It's just... It's it's amazing, and I mean, what are there ten million people in that city overall? Very peaceful, you know. When you really look at the grand scheme of things and how many people are actually living in oh, that yeah. city on I mean, top of each other, functions. literally on top of each other, it's a pretty peaceful place. People are generally peaceful. That is, it is. proof, <laughs> you know. I do. That's proof do that like, we can all live together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was very surprised when I moved here because. Um, I found, I don't know, I found New Yorkers to be kind, and I feel like the general consensus is that they are not, but I think it's just you have to, like, find them in a space when they're not walking amidst a million other people on the street. Um, it's like if you're tucked away and, and you're volunteering or you're working or you're in a restaurant or in a bar, then people are very happy and enthusiastic to meet new people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the best part. Yeah. There's switches. There's, there's different gears, and when people are heading to work, they're heading to work, and you know, and they they don't want to be bothered. Um, it's just very fast paced, and they have their own tracks, and everybody's moving at their own, you know, to their own destination, and they don't. They, you can't interrupt that. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and there's just yeah. uh, so much. Like, there's so much access to really anything that you want to learn about or try or yeah. Pursue. Another stat um, I think on New York I'm, that I have not to drop New York City stats, but I think there are more. French restaurants in New New York City than in Paris. I don't know why I heard that one. It might have been a Snapple cap, so I don't know if it's true. But... <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta love Snapple caps. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah the food is incredible. 
<laughs> Travis, as we um, wrap this up, I do want to talk about your website and some of the other stuff that you work in because your website is interesting and it's it's got a lot of different stuff on it because you you work in photography, you work in writing, and you work in a, a few other mediums as well. Can you talk about your website and what your intentions are with it? Um, yeah, so I guess you put it very accurately. <laughs> it's it's a lot of things. I mean, it's pr primarily I made it when I first moved here as a portfolio um, because I w needed to like find work and get clients in photography and writing. Um, and social media has become a large part of the work that I do, uh, copywriting and video and editing. Um, so it kind of is like a landing page introduction for who I am and what I what I do for different clients. Um, but then I also, throughout my life, I always wrote a lot. So I always kind of kept like a journal and then started keeping a blog. Um, several that I are not public today because they're <laughs> embarrassing and from when I was younger. But uh, Oh, we got to see this. Yeah, maybe I'll share some secret links with you guys. But, um, <laughs> primarily the website is it's like a, a blog and just kind of a place for me to keep a record for when I'm 80. I don't know and can look back on stuff. Um, so I have, like, have all my playlists and I'm a big enjoyer or appreciator of music. So I create like monthly playlists on Spotify and just share them with all my friends. So that is all available there, too. Um, and what is the website? Uh, the website is just travisane.com. And then um, the new thing that I've been working on is actually an independent magazine, which I fell in love with independent print magazines when I was in Seattle at the fish market and I just found one and I never really laid my hands on one before. Um, I feel like a lot of people still don't really know like what the difference is between like a regular magazine and independent magazine, but I feel like independent print magazines are usually published only like twice a year or maybe four times a year. Um, so they're kind of more like books and they are just large and beautifully made. And a lot of them now are like very kind of minimal and have a lot of space and thoughtful stories. Um, so when I moved here, I mean, I wanted to do a million things and that was one of them that apparently came to the forefront because I've been working on it so much lately. Um, and it, we just finished creating it and, um, are running a Kickstarter now to like raise the funds to print it. Um, and so if that all goes well, which I hope and believe it will, then we'll be printing it and uh, hopefully putting it in bookstores and making it available online. And what is that? What is that called? Uh, it's called Revolucan. So okay. it's one word and a, a matchup of the two words, revolutionary kin. Um, and the idea behind it is the slogan is a creative investigation on the human experience. Um, and the idea is to just curate a lot of thoughtful stories on our experiences so um, it's going to be published biannually and one issue will be on a, an element of the human experience like time love grief um, loss connection etc and place so like new york uh, london naturally since i love traveling <laughs> um, and really just a log of very personal stories and interviews with people who think about life kind of as a profession and studied these different topics. Um, so like artists, researchers, uh, activists, and honestly, my hope is it's just like a little inspirational guidebook for people to want to be like a more wholesome, holistic human, and also feel more connected to everyone around them. 
That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so that you have, there are two things that you shared with us. There's boy and book. Your one of your Instagram accounts that is fairly new, if I'm not mistaken. And then you um, do have your Revolucan Instagram account. Right. So actually boy and book is not, so that used to be my handle for my account now, which is Travis Zane. Okay. Um, when I was starting to create this magazine, it very much was kind of just like a passion project. And in my head, I was like, oh, I'll just make one. I'll just create a whole magazine for practice and like figure out how it works. And I'll call it Boy and Book. And I'll just like share it with friends and family. But then it pretty much took over my life. So I <laughs> changed it um, to be the magazine that I've wanted to make for a long time. Okay. So the for anyone listening, if you would like to help Travis out, the Revolucan Instagram account, and it is just R-E-V-O-L-U-K-I-N. In that profile, there is a Kickstarter link, and you can back them. And I think uh, at this time, you still have 18 days left? Yeah, 18 okay. days. Okay. Awesome. Well, hopefully you make your pledge. Yeah, use all the support, all the support possible. <laughs> that's awesome yeah i i looked at it briefly before while we were doing research for you and it's it's really cool i like i like the concept a lot thank you i appreciate that i'm excited it's a bit nerve-wracking but ultimately exciting (laughs) yeah it's hard putting something out there that is like your creation because you're putting all of your thoughts and all of your ideas into this tangible object that people can look at and fully criticize mm-hmm. and make opinions on yeah <laughs> and it's basically like the embodiment of you absolutely the first the first day when i launched the kickstarter i definitely freaked out a bit <laughs> not a lot um and then i've just been texting every single person i've pretty much ever texted in my life yeah sharing the link but that's really yeah, cool it's, it's great <laughs> I just followed you on Instagram. I'm excited to see you, though, man. Thank you. All right. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. We definitely, I I really enjoyed talking about volunteerism because it's still a really gray area. And I think there are good things, a lot of good things about it. And I think there are a lot of things that could be better about volunteerism. And you helped shed a light on some of those good things. Thank you. I, I apologize for not being an expert. I, um, I'm happy to <laughs> lend my insights and perspectives and thoughts, though. Yeah, I never heard of Workaway, and I love the idea of it, and I love the program. Yeah, me too. I want to yeah, do a little bit more research it's myself. It's incredible, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you, Travis. Thank you so much. All right, that wraps up our episode. And eventually, I want to be more actively involved in some type of volunteerism. I really like traveling, but... Some part of me feels a little bit of guilt associated with the environmental impacts of traveling, especially by air, but also the toll it takes on the authenticity of the cultures that I'm visiting. Yeah, it's going to be something that I will do, um, or I'm going to figure out how to do with my daughter one day. I think that's really cool for kids to not only have her experience a country as a tourist, but also get an understanding of how the local the local population operates. Um, so... Yeah, I think that would be incredibly valuable to her education growing up, and it's something that I'm going to look forward to doing. Yeah. So rate us on iTunes, Google Play Music if you use that. I don't know who does. CastBox, 
Player FM, whatever you want. Just give us a rating. We like to read them. We haven't gotten any new ones in a while, and we're kind of sad about that. Uh, reach out to us, as Bob mentioned in the intro. We want to hear your ideas of what episodes you would like to listen to. And other than that, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. And tune in next week. Bye.